you have to have a purpose um, you have to have like a, a real motivation and earning money or buying something with money is not a is not a real motivation so it, it has to be like you have to be heart driven i think that's that's the best advice i could i could give because um, someone who knows his why will always find find a way you're listening to ecomonics a debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age this is joseph i'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research your time is valuable so let's go Our first German guest, as far as I know, and Dropshipping Council member David Weisbecker demonstrates the value of being able to speak to people around the world and find perspectives that are at the same time fundamentally human but uniquely cultural. We talked to him about his strategies within e-commerce and dropshipping, trusting the right people to work with, and the ongoing need to develop the body and mind. David Weisbecker, it's good to have you here. Thank you for being on Ecomonics. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for letting me be here. I'm looking forward to our talk. I am too. So far, I've been able to learn so much from each person. Although I will say, being somebody who's doing the show and managing the show and conducting the interviews as I go, a lot of the information that I end up absorbing, I end up absorbing when I review it afterwards because I'm, I'm just getting bombarded with so much good stuff and I'm just trying to keep up. So you guys, you guys really know your stuff and that's the thing that I definitely appreciate. So first and arguably most important question is going to be, who are you and what do you do? So I'm David Weisbecker. I'm a dropshipper. I'm self-employed. I have my own company with my business partner, my best friend. And we're just, yeah, not that long in the game, only for about one year, I guess. We were just starting out. We had our first success. Actually, it was me alone who had the success. Then he came on board. And now we're trying to do that whole thing again and earn money again and learn as much as we can. Well, one year, I, I can understand if it doesn't seem like a lot of time, but a lot of the people that I've talked to, there's a pretty common theme where, I mean, no one has been in it for 10 years. I'd say mm. maybe the longest is like three years, four years. When I spoke to Shashir Nagam, who forged the, the council, he had only been in it in two years. So- there's a sense of like quantum speed where the amount of things that people are accomplishing in the span of a year is so much more faster and so much more efficient than what I think people have been able to accomplish in previous generations. So it's kind of mind boggling to think about how much more efficient people are going to be in, in the years to come. So you joined the Dropshipping Council, you're, mm -hmm. you're a member, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm going through each one of them. So can you talk about how you got into it, how they, did they reach out to you to apply? Did you apply on your own accord or how'd it go? I remember I saw on YouTube, like a post between uh, the videos and it just said uh, dropshipping council and it was a, a small ad. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. I guess I, I just um, instantly signed up for it and talked to Shisha and I was in. That's <laughs> okay. good news. I mean, I think some people might think, oh man, this is going to be like a, like a six month ordeal where they have to climb a mountain or something to get through. But no, just uh, you've done the work prior to the application. So yeah. let's get into that. The first story that sticks out to me, which is from your profile on the Dropshipping Council, 
and I'm and I'm hoping that you can you're you're cool talking about it. You did mention it on the profile, so obviously you've did say it publicly once already. But uh, you made a pretty sizable investment, and you didn't mm. see a return. So it says twenty k. Now is that was that twenty uh, euros, uh, or did they convert that to U.S. dollars for the? No, it's twenty thousand euros. Twenty thousand yeah. euros. Okay. So, what happened there? Uh, how did you? <laughs> uh, how did you? How did you start with that? I'm not trying to. What Are you okay? But like, let's hear the story about it because that is a lot of money. And how you recovered and managed to thrive afterwards is something that I think people are going to really want to hear about. Yeah. So, the the like, if you're trying to get self-employed if you're trying to earn your money on yourself there's so much you have to learn when you're starting from zero and when i started i was 19 so i didn't know anything i just knew i didn't want to study i didn't want to work my whole life for someone else and that's it (laughs) so (laughs) and i knew i wanted to earn money online from the beginning because that seemed like the the coolest way and i always wanted to travel and that way you can travel and, and work uh, just with your laptop and internet, theoretically. So the thing is, why didn't I give up? Pretty early, I learned uh, that you cannot lose if you don't give up. And that's like everything that kept me going. I was always like, okay, if I'm losing like 10,000 euros on this, it's okay because I learned so much from these 10,000 uh, 10, I uh, lost. Mm-hmm. maybe the next 2000 I will invest will bring me back 20. And that's like why I always kept going, kept going. Even if um, to this day, if I never had success, I would just, uh, I would still be be trying to try to get it. And even if, if I was 50,000 and lost, like that's even more motivation. No, you already have lost 50,000. It shouldn't be for nothing. That was the whole thing. So I, and I, and I never counted how much it was until I got successful. Then I remembered, I looked back and I counted everything together and I was shocked myself. <laughs> I didn't know it was so much. Well, you know, every year, because I also have my own self-employment, I go through my credit card statements for the year, just to look at for write-offs. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm in for a bit of a shock when I realize it's not like I've made like one major chunk here or there. There's, there are some of those, but it's also a lot of the little yeah. expenditures that add up like, oh my goodness, did I really need to go to the A&W that last Thursday? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, and I was always a fan of uh, online courses and these are pretty expensive sometimes, 2,000, 3,000 euros. But I always like, I, I'm, the, I'm the guy, if you have me um, on your phone and you're selling me a course, I will buy it. <laughs> I got this guy because I, I'm, I'm always thinking even if I'm not learning anything I'm still learning that this wasn't the way so and then the money was was never like I don't know these uh, three thousand dollars just just a number you know you can make back ten thousand a day if you go to drop shipping so what is three thousand to invest in myself that was always my 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 thought so with those courses, how many of them do you think you've taken up to this point? Like, what were some of the ones that stuck out to you as like really good, solid lessons? What were some of the ones where you thought, oh, okay? Yeah, um, I guess it were five, four or five, maybe six different courses. Some were about like two, three hundred dollars. Some were three thousand. The most expensive one was the uh, the one that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see why that checks out. Yeah. And then the one for $300, can I say from whom it was? 
Well, let's just put it this way. If it's going to be positive, then let's hear it. But if it's negative, yeah, yeah, we don't want positive. to give them any oxygen. No, no, no it's, it's yeah. positive. Yeah, yeah from yeah. Gabriel Saint-Germain. So I, I guess many people know him. This was the best course. And it was only $300. So uh, everyone who's starting out now into searching for a guru um, that he can trust and just do everything that he says and don't really think too much about it. Don't put your own head too much in it. You can buy the course from Gabriel. It's very good. Yeah, good. Fair recommendation. We might even reach out to him to be uh, a guest on the show down the oh, line. Oh, yeah. I would yeah, love to hear that. We're, uh, we're recording right now. What is it? it's, uh, it's September. We're recording this. We've already got guests booked all the way through to January. So <laughs> okay, we're, we're all about banking that. So here's, here's what I noticed. I'm looking at your Instagram. And if I just looked at your Instagram, I wouldn't have guessed that you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that you, know, you like going to the gym, you like traveling. So you know, you're just a chill dude who's just uh, doing his thing. And I think you have the record for the biggest biceps out of everybody that I've interviewed <laughs> so far. Although, to be fair, a few of the first guests, I didn't see them. So I don't know, maybe maybe they're, they're hiding something. But there is a correlation here, which is that you seem to have this drive to continue to improve yourself physically, which I think is the same drive that you're doing to improve yourself mentally, because you're still trying to absorb the information. And as long as you're absorbing that information and your understanding is growing, then to you, it's all, it's all good. Like fitness is um, a crucial part of my life, and w- without it, I, I don't know if I would be as motivated to work every day on my computer. So th- that's like really, really crucial for me. I hate just doing one thing. I, I'm a guy. I need to have like different things I I, I can do, and like that are very uh, different from another. So th- there are people who are who love working so much, like my business partner. <laughs> I guess he he could be happy with only a laptop, but not me. So I have to do sports. I have to do different things. And the cool thing you learn from fitness is also to to never give up. You're working on that long-term goal and you're not really seeing any success in in the short term. Like you can take a picture now and then in two months and the difference will be minimal. But when you take a picture now and you, you take a picture in two years and you really... Um, stick to it then it's it's going to be huge and uh, yeah that's like my work ethic too so i think uh, that's one of the hardest lessons especially for young people growing up is that there's a lot of stimulation and it's easy for kids to be bombarded especially because most kids now have at least like two screens at their disposal so i think that's one of the hardest lessons but it's also one of the most important ones to impart at a young age which is this is something that pays off over time it's like some things you pay now you're rewarded later but other things you're rewarded now and then you got to pay later, which is not so good. Yeah, uh, it, it's all about the, the long-term, the, the, the long-term goals. Like short-term is, is never, never really, really great what, what comes exactly. out of this. Yeah. Exactly. Now, here's that particular point on short-term versus long-term. I know that that is a mindset that you apply to your working relationship with your friend and your, uh, I want to make sure I got it right, your, your branding agency. Mm, no, no, no branding agency. We, we're just us two, our okay. company. Okay. Okay. Sorry. My, my apologies. But just to understand where uh, I thought that is because it says on your uh, dropshipping account, uh, together with his business partner, his greatest interest is in learning how to uh, brand like a pro and in creating brands that will survive multiple mm. years. So that's, okay, that is where yeah. I got that idea. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like turn our dropshipping stores into long term brands. Like th- that was the, the idea. Okay. Let's talk about that. So 
being a customer, one of the things that has stuck out to me is that a lot of these companies, they'll come up with a quick logo mm -hmm. and they'll burn through their product and then they're gone. And the one I keep going back to is this thing called the hands-free bracket. It was just this arm that you stick into a desk. You can put your uh, iPad or phone into it or whatever. It seemed useful to me, but I never got it. And then I went to go to customer service and well, the website went down. <laughs> and so I, I've seen the the spectrum of like, you know, bad experiences versus good experiences. And there's also brands that I know and trust because I know them my whole life. Like mm -hmm. Nintendo is a brand that I generally, you know, know the quality of. So far, what have you learned and what have you been applying to your operations that uh, have tried to get these brands to have good foundations and to last in the long term? Mm, okay, so what you want to do is once you hit 50 orders a day, you want to get in a sourcing agent to have good shipping times. That's crucial for uh, Facebook because Facebook will send out these review requests to your uh, former customers and they have to rate you. And if you're falling under two, which is pretty easy if you have bad shipping times, your ad account is gone. Uh, <laughs> the ad performance won't be as good as, as before. Like we're talking from 20% profit margin to 10 or 5. So yeah, you can shut down the whole thing pretty much. So that's crucial. What would be the, the second most important thing? Your customer service. You mm -hmm. shouldn't do it on your own. Because it, it's draining so much energy and it's giving you so much negativity. Because the people uh, who are reaching out to you are reaching out because of a problem, not because you, they, they like your brand. That's not why, you, <laughs> why you're uh, writing to customer service. So you're getting this idea of, oh, um, all I'm doing is negative to these people, these poor people who spent like $30 and they never got their product. But you're forgetting all the other 95 or 99% of people who are probably happy with the product. Yeah, so, so that's crucial too, to find someone who does your customer service so that you have all that energy for your advertising and your ideas and not for, yeah, I don't want to say the word, but you know what I, what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Not for this. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, I've done a number of customer service jobs and one of my more recent ones was, uh, was remotely. So. Mm -hmm. It didn't really, uh, you know, it doesn't really occur to me, but before I took the job, just how uh, draining it can be. So I can definitely uh, illuminate on this as well. So one of the key problems is that working in customer service, you've got to give people the tools they need to actually resolve the problems. You know, otherwise we end up just being therapists where people are just <laughs> venting their, their problem to us and there's nothing that we can do to assist them. And it takes creative thinking to try to come up with a solution to the problem. Uh, one guy, he he's waiting for his uh, his his product to arrive, and uh, I'm contractually obligated not to say. Not that I think it's a bad thing, but whatever. So his product doesn't arrive, and he booked the whole day off. And and he calls and he says, "I could order a pizza, and the pizza delivery place would give me a GPS tracker to let <laughs> me know where it is. I know more about the pizza than I do with my product." <laughs> So I want to dial into the uh, into the customer service bit for for a little bit here. Yep. What tools do you do, or what tools do you give to your customer service agents so that they can effectively do their job, and as well as be a, a bulwark against that tide of negativity that's coming their way? Yeah. To speak about the negativity uh, again, it it was just so negative for me because it was my shop. 
Like uh, I, I took it personally, even uh, though I didn't want to. But now a friend of mine is doing it, so it's pretty easy. I just gave him all the access. He has all the passwords. He can do everything. He can refund on his own. He doesn't have to ask me or something. So that's pretty him? easy. If you trust yeah, his trust discretion. Him. Yeah. If I wouldn't know the person, if it wasn't like a remote worker or something, then it would become more complicated. But I don't have any experience with that. So luckily, I don't have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving him all the permission and say, do your best. And that's easy. And uh, in the in the past, it was uh, it was good like that because you, I really I really trust him. Yeah, and this is something that uh, just popped into my head is that one way that would I can see helping people just to have a little bit more of like a, a balance between positivity and negativity too is if there's also like a feedback address where customers just you know compliments, questions, concerns gives them a chance to say something positive. And that's one thing that I would just throw out into the ether just in case it. Uh, so that way people can check their emails and instead of like a screw you, screw you, screw you, there's a, <laughs> oh, hey, this, uh, hey, thanks very much. Kind of throw it in into the, into the mix, but. Yeah, that would be a good idea. So you are the first person that I've spoken to who's German and I'll, I'll, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to people all over the world. I talk to people in Italy, in, uh, in Thailand and Taiwan, Australia, and it's just, just everywhere. But I would like to talk about the German market. So one of them is the relationship between the German market, and I guess really how the rest of the world could uh, could enter it. From your perspective, have you seen a lot of international businesses or brands or even just uh, dropshippers make their way into Germany? Or and also for your operation as well, is that where are you uh, where are you selling and marketing to? Are you selling internationally, or where are you uh, aiming your your energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, I can't sell in Germany because of tax issues. Okay. Like uh, all my profits would go to would go with tax or like most of them. So I'm uh, only selling in in uh, internationally. But if you're lucky enough to uh, live in another country and, and not in Europe in particular and if you know someone who speaks German or have enough money to let it translate then you should definitely just pick the um, like like the best winning products from the last couple of years. Make a super simple shop, put it everything down in in good German. It should really look like a real German brand, mm -hmm. and then um, you you could even steal the creatives, I guess, and just make them mm -hmm. German, and it will go through the roof. The super untapped market for dropshippers to uh, sell products in the in the in the language of these countries because there are so many people in germany who can't speak english but but have the money and are willing to spend it on instagram and facebook so yeah other than that there there aren't really big differences i guess it's the same thing it's like psych psychology to sell things and we're all humans so it's for everyone yeah that's fair i mean when i was doing research on the uh solo episode about global markets uh, for those of you who listened to that episode, I'll be talking about the facts that I've uh, picked up there to David for some uh, some firsthand uh, verification on it. But it also said, like, say they gave an example of China. They said that people in in China also value purchasing things for social status. Like they'll spend their income on an iPhone because mm -hmm. the local stature that it gives them to have an iPhone it gives them more of that of that status. And I read that and I thought, yeah, that's it's kind of everybody. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say that. Yeah, that's that's everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every human so, uh, w wants to wants to have that feeling. 
of yeah look at me uh, appreciate me uh, because i have that super expensive new phone but yeah you can grow out of that man yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i i used to mock you know to myself in my head when i would see somebody walking by with a cup of starbucks coffee mm -hmm. uh, i think oh mr got a starbucks coffee uh, <laughs> he's so prestigious he probably paid probably tipped he probably tipped the person Yeah. And then, of But course, I, uh, yeah. there ended up being a Starbucks near my area. And like, oh, I've become the person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time you have uh, thoughts like this, if something triggers you, you should always think, what is the reason? Where, where, where can I uh, find the, the reason for that emotional mm -hmm. reaction in myself at first? Like, you get this super nice perspective of viewing yourself like you would be another person. And being a little bit, a bit more neutral with yourself, and uh, yeah, and, and 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 improve yourself like that. Like if you're getting a super emotional reaction from someone who's driving by with, in a Ferrari, you know there's um, mm -hmm. you should maybe uh, think about being a little bit too envy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, mind you, the the example that I was giving, I was like in my 20s, and and I still have a lot of. I still have my fair share of issues that I'm working on, but you know, as time goes on and, and it's not just experiencing the issue once, but it's experiencing the mm -hmm. pattern of it. Once I recognize that something is a pattern is I say, okay, now I need to break this pattern before it gets worse. And then it becomes a habit that I can't live without. But I also noticed too, and uh, this, this came up, especially in the conversation that I had with uh, Chris Wayne is that a lot of that resentment brews from jealousy of somebody else's success. And I think for me, I, I would say the major disconnect is people, let's just say they see somebody in the Ferrari, for example, they might not even think that the person earned it. Mm. They might just think that the person came from money or they grifted their way into making that money. So that disconnect I can understand, but you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that's economics for you. Yeah. People pay each other because, you know, we yeah, and, and most, of, most of the time, if you think some, uh, someone else Uh, doesn't uh, doesn't earn something you most likely think you you yourself wouldn't earn it so you 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 would think not, not even myself would earn to drive a ferrari so why this guy but it's hard to see that uh, that thought because we're also identified with our own thoughts if we're not doing like shadow work or meditating regularly so yeah you can't blame yourself too much Sorry, did you say uh, shadow? Work? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if this word actually, actually exists in uh, English, but it's like an one to. It, it sounds like yeah, something it's like new a, to me. Um, the, the German word would be Schattenarbeit, which means means shadow work. Um, it's just exactly what I just said. Like, if you have an emotional reaction of something, if something triggers you, you will. Mm -hmm. You should always okay. think what in me is being triggered, and not and not only complain about what triggered you in the first the first place yeah okay fair enough i, I just I, i hadn't heard that term before so i was just wanted to make sure mm. uh what it is a couple of other factoids i learned about uh, germany and i know you're not like the ambassador <laughs> for the country but I, whatever it is you have to say on the subject would uh, would be helpful to me and to our listeners so meta comment is We booked these in advance, and uh, this was booked for uh, 2 p.m. my time. I'm not sure what time uh, it was for you when you got here, but you got here <laughs> right on the dot. And I thought, oh, wow, that's probably the most punctual anybody's been so far with like a 30-second to one-minute differential. And you said, uh, that's, that's the German <laughs> stereotype. It's uh, precision German engineering. 
So how, how, how much validity is there to that that you see in day to day? Is I mean, does Germany, the whole thing, run on uh, right right to the minute? Um, yeah. So if if I remember back to like school or where I was employed, it do be like that. So yeah, if you come like two minutes too late, it's like <laughs> you, you get that weird look. And if it's like five minutes, um, then you know you will have a discussion with your boss or your teacher. Yeah, so it's 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 really like that. Not under friends, like if my my friends are maybe sometimes late an hour if they want to, but uh, if if it's like real <laughs> um, official things, and if you have to respect the person, it's 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 if it's an authority, then yeah, everyone is really on the point with time. Yeah. For a second there, I was just thinking that if somebody in Germany is going to be late, but they would be like precisely late, like, oh, you are exactly 30 <laughs> minutes late, like not one second below or after. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like that. <laughs> like it, 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 t- time um, is our, it's our worst enemy here. Yeah. The next one I picked up on was a high usage of invoices. Uh, where uh, Germans tend to want to pay mm-hmm. using invoices. Yeah, because we have to seen or like because of taxes, you have to prove okay. everything you pay okay. with invoices. And if you don't have the invoice, you um, have to pay it from your like netto money. So from your own money with after taxes, not before. Yeah, so that's a problem. We have to, or you pay double. So what 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 is the tax rate? I mean, here in Canada, our tax. Like, I'm in Ontario. It's one of the more expensive provinces to live, but uh, we also get <laughs> swimming pools, I guess. Uh, so our our sales tax is thirteen percent HST. So that's on it, like the the profits, thirteen percent on the profits. And anything that we ah, pay, on, okay, like a, okay. any purchase that we make, we have thirteen um, percent. Because of Corona, it's sixteen, but normally it's nineteen in Germany. Okay. And uh, yeah, like the tax rates here are like the second most, the second highest in the world. Only Belgium is above us. Yeah, with forty-two percent maximum tax rate on your profits. So nearly half of it is just gone. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's quite a lot. What's what's the trade-off? Because I I I did one of the companies I worked for in the past. Mm-hmm. They were based out of Germany, and I do know that uh, Germany did have. I mean, they had a lot of bank holidays, so you know, they have more days off than than we did. So it seems to me that there is a lot of like social care, and that you know the people are being taken care of. But obviously, you're there, so I would rather hear yes. from you. So the the health system is really great. You can break all your bones and be in the hospital for ten years, and you won't pay anything. And and you can save a lot of on taxes if you have like the great and the, the right structure. So the most companies won't pay forty two percent because they they're smart with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the real trade of what's the trade off? Hmm. I hope there's a trade. I know it's not exactly like a like e commerce <laughs> question, but uh, I think yeah, it's, it's still yeah. good to know, right? In case yeah, but but the people here are always complaining about oh the the state is uh, spending the tax money stupid and and on this and on this. Yeah, it's a common thing to talk about here, to complain about. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah that might be something I'll ask you <laughs> yeah. once the recording is off, just because I'm sure, you know, there's two very different conversations. There's the family friendly, and then there's the. <laughs> the next one I picked up on is that there is a large quantity of small businesses in Germany. Uh, that the majority of businesses are staffed by ten people or less. So is that, is that mm, something you? Can I, speak I didn't to? even know that. Okay. But my brother has a, a business with uh, six or seven employees. 
So he's one of these, <laughs> of, of them. But yeah, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. The next one is, uh, this one's kind of specific. It's the amount of people who are using optic fiber internet is around oh, really? 8.5%. I guess that's something that comes up in conversation. Yeah, but... um, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a thing we are crying and laughing about the internet here. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I myself, uh, I had the worst possible internet, like one thousand mbits, so nothing, pretty much, for pretty much my whole life, except three years I lived in Munich. The internet there was great, and now since. Maybe three or four months, we finally got good internet here where I am now. But before it was like yeah, Stone Age. <laughs> but but the um, the internet over air is really good. LTE is good. Okay, right on. And then the last one, just uh, from the research that I picked up on, is that in terms of purchasing, German consumers tend to take their time, do a lot of research, uh, a lot of careful thinking, uh, not known for being impulsive. Mm, yeah, maybe. But Facebook uh, gives you like super low CPMs if you're only targeting to Germany. You get like CPMs of 4 euro, 5 euro. So um, even though you have to have the double the traffic for the same revenue, I guess, pretty much. But that's okay because you get the mm-hmm. traffic even more cheaper than double so or maybe exactly half the price so yeah it's okay okay excellent well thank you for those like i said it doesn't come up too often so i figured uh and that would be my mm-hmm. my best chance to do it so in regards to your uh, working relationship with your best friend i think that's great now that this is something that over the course of my life i've tried to do business ventures with my friends uh some of them work out some of them Actually, so honestly, none of them have worked out. How do you two kind of like divvy up the responsibilities, and uh, how do you guys just make sure that your your friendship reigns rock solid as well as your business relationship? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, th- that's a question I asked myself, um, and in the past, <laughs> but but it's it, it just it's just working. Um, I'm only there for advertising at the moment, and he's uh, building all the all the mm-hmm. shops, and he's doing the product research. Our other friend, who's um, like an employee, is doing is doing the customer service. So we are a team of three now, and I I can't see why why it shouldn't work out. Like we are so harmonic, and then there's none other friend of mine that I would have done like like a company with, than uh, other than him because it's like we're we're soulmates <laughs> you know you could you could say it like <laughs> that yeah so um if if you don't have a, a friend where you do have the feeling okay i could um, do anything with him and i I can trust my life on him then maybe this uh, wouldn't be a great idea and um, also he's a better worker than me so he's just improving me yeah. I, I learned so much from him like through mm-hmm. discipline and working and structuring yourself and he's um a f- financial guru like he's very good with money and investing so there's like uh, 10,000 things um, I, I could benefit from him and he learns dropshipping from me so yeah and how, how do you guys start being friends Did you mm, through school, yeah, I don't or? know him that long actually I, don't, I just know him for about two years or maybe three yeah three I worked as a waiter and uh, my uh, colleague uh, lived together with this friend I have the company with. And so it completely randomly, I just 
got to know him and he was super focused on he was like a a one-to-one seller you know he he met up with people and sold Mm -hmm. them stuff (laughs) i was completely fascinated and then he told me he was always dreaming about a company uh, about having an online business um, and being free to travel and so yeah he was i guess really thrilled to hear that i was planning on doing that and that on this time i didn't have anything to show any success only twenty thousand euros in in minus (laughs) yeah but somehow we got best friends and not only uh, because of the the work of course everything else um, fitted too i mean i i i love all my friends dearly including the ones i've tried to have arrangements with and you know a lot of my friends are people that have stuck around like people that i've known Mm -hmm. through elementary school we we forged that bond by having to endure it together uh some great friends from high school college uh, a couple of workplaces and people are friends for different reasons right sometimes it's just about having that shared experience and wanting to continue to see each other grow it's about having people that you know and you can trust and are just going to be there for you and that it's also about uh, i think with uh, with your friend is that people who really are about the future and are about moving forward and are are optimistic certainly and just want to continue to to build into something yeah, better. Yeah, but you got to know, yeah, which of your friends can do what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like like he's a he's a combination of everything. <laughs> so uh, he's my best friend in, in terms of <laughs> laughing together, um, talking about work, talking about problems, motivating each other, and like super positive. And uh, that's what I, what I love. Like I don't. I have there's so much negativity in the world and mm-hmm. in my in my in my daily life so I'm really driven to to get to know people that are that are very positive minded and just want to grow and want to and see problems as a chance to grow and not as something to complain about which is very common in Germany so most people here are, <laughs> are mm-hmm. like um oh I have a problem uh, who else uh, does have the same problem so we can cry about it together and not helping each other out of there yeah yeah that's probably me yeah I mean, it just goes right back to t- teaching your kids to eat broccoli when they're young is that yeah complaining about it feels great in the moment but then yeah. people get addicted to it and they just start complaining day after yeah day they, after they day. get the persona like um yeah. they want to have that like people agreeing with them even if it's hurting them but you can blame it on them because they don't know what what they're doing to this to themselves they're just there for the feeling i guess that's true so let's hear more about your uh your your advertising uh as much as you're willing to share your method with us uh let's say that you and your partner are starting up mm-hmm. a new dropshipping site you said that you focus on the advertising part so tell us about when you step into the process and how you get it from incubation to your mm-hmm. your sales yeah, n- nothing crazy. I guess you've heard it uh, a thousand times on sure. different YouTube videos because that's where I got it from and from Gabriel Saint-Germain. So yeah, it's just four creatives for the testing uh, campaign, four creatives, one image ad. You could even do a, um, a carousel ad, uh, two to three video ads and different videos or maybe like a different scroll stopper. So the first three to six seconds. And then, yeah, just test right away with these creatives. Um, don't do a PPE or something to find out which is the best creative because these data, uh, the data is trash. Only data from conversion campaign 
does count in my experience. Everything else you can trust on. And then uh, Facebook is really good finding out really fast which creative is best for which audience. And then you're getting these sales. And then once you have a few sales, the pixel is getting hard and it's getting easier and easier. Once you have like 100 sales a day, it's like magic. Every, every interest you test is working at all. You could even do super broad audiences like just everyone in a country and it will work most likely if the product is hot. And then lookalikes do the magic. Scaling, mm, if you're talking about scaling, it's like all CBOs right now. You, you, you just do a new CBO campaign with the, with the best interest you have and the best ad sets you have, I mean, and then put all your uh, best creatives in there, three to six maybe, and then, uh, yeah, go, go in with high budget. And normally it would, wo it will work if the, like if you're, if it works on low budget, like if you're doing a thousand revenue a day with 20 to 30% profit margin, let's say, um, and then you're scaling up to two, three, four, five thousand a day, it will it will decrease, but just a bit, uh, a little bit. And then there, it will, there will be that point where it decreases too much. And then you're just lowering the budget again. And, and that's it. So once it, it's going, it's really easy. I think Facebook is like really, really helping you a lot. The most problems you will have once, once it's working is like higher CPMs for no reason. Or um, customers complaining too much and Facebook shutting you mm -hmm. down. So these are the real problems. That's why you want to have really good service. Not, um, of course, because you want to have a good business. I hope so. But sure. especially because if if you don't put in the work, then Facebook will just shut you down. So that's the real, real, real thing to to look out. Definitely. Some of the other people, uh, like you said, you know, it's 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 not that any one person is reinventing the wheel, but everybody is just adding their own spokes, their own uh, little takes on it. And I can certainly speak to the fact that Facebook wants people to trust their website. They even go after, I don't want to get too much into it because it gets political, but they do have some uh, some some issues they take with certain mm -hmm. news articles being posted. They will try to like take down articles that they perceive as fake news. And it gets a little like, hold on a second, you sure about yeah. that Facebook? No, every time. Uh, you should let, kind of let <laughs> every decide time. for themselves. But. Every time something gets rejected. It, it it it's it, it's not right in my opinion yeah but you can't do anything with facebook you can request another review and then it's got rejected again and then you have to find out a solution for it and they won't help you as much but uh, that's part of the game sorry for interrupting you oh no no it's all good i mean you're yeah you are correct on that and if there's anything i need to be cut off when it's if whenever i start getting into facebook and fake news okay <laughs> uh so you did probably do good there so down the line, let's let's look at like a like a three year window going forward. Is there anything you you are anticipating or any major predictions you see for the industry or even for any particular? Ooh, it's so hard to make predictions right now because this whole Corona thing. But for the whole industry, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like, like what everyone uh, what everyone else says, the more branded, the better. The more it looks like a real brand, the better. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, that's just my opinion, but niche and one product stores over general stores just because it looks more branded. So, but, but in, in three years, like how you said, the most experts are just in, in the game for like two years, three years. So it, it can change mm -hmm. so much. Uh, two years from now, uh, so two, two years ago, people made uh, general stores that looked horrible. And uh, they made 
super, super many sales. And now it's like, if your shop doesn't look at least a little bit professional, so not that you would say, oh, whoa, this looks great, but but just like, oh yeah, that looks okay. Like to just get that reaction, oh yeah, it looks okay. Your shop has to have a pretty high niveau, I would say. Yeah. Well, once you you know what to do, it's pretty easy. But at the beginning, you you should just look at other shops who are successful and then copy most of it. Yeah, that that's the best thing mm-hmm. to to do at the beginning because you you won't uh, you won't be that big of a competition if you're not that long in the game anyway. So even if you're having success with stolen shop not completely stolen of course that that's that's not fair but like 80 percent, 90 percent of it you you just stole it from another one you won't take away the customers anyway because paypal will come and will come in your way facebook will come in your way and you you don't have your team you can't scale up that mm-hmm. much so just earn your your first a few thousand with uh with copying others who are already successful and then um th- that's the best method to learning your stuff in my opinion, we're 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 getting close to wrapping this up. Uh, but I'll ask you one more uh, question in related to your business, and then I'll give you a chance to kind of like uh, close us out. But in terms of your product selection, I want to know uh, if there's any niches that you gravitate towards, as well as your vetting process, just to make sure that the products you're selling aren't going to, you know, give customer service a hard time. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm always um searching for products that um other merchants are selling successfully and that have good uh, reviews so they know that the product is actually good i had success with alternatives for pract for plastic products so um this is a nice niche because it has a like a good impact on uh, on on the world in, in terms of like f- less plastic in the ocean for example and then like the the back pain niche because I'm, <laughs> I myself have severe back pain, <laughs> so I'm just interested in that. And I love all the products. I, I, like I bought all back pain products from Amazon for myself, and you can dropship all of them, um, and and they're great and they're working. So I know that and that these will that that our customers will love them. Yeah, and and um, my business partner is really on like on like kitchen in the kitchen niche, and I love that too because you have like. Mm-hmm. Uh, endless uh, products to test there it's not like 10 to 20 it's more like a thousand to two thousand different products to test in that niche and that and they're all good so you're never running out of ideas there yeah but but as a general tip i would not really listen to your heart at the beginning too much what to what to test but just listen to data read read mm-hmm. data and then um, copy what what was successful before so you learn uh, the, your skills and then you can build that real good brand with re- real good service that that fulfills i don't know your maybe even your purpose in life or something what was some of the first uh, products that you dropped um the f- some of the first were kitchen products and then um came the plastic alternative it was the silicone stretchlets I guess many people know it because it was uh, it's still uh, getting sold like crazy. Yeah, but I don't think there's a product that, that has more competition uh, than that, so don't try it. <laughs> it mm-hmm. probably won't work. <laughs> um yeah. But that that was the first the first product that that really went through the roof. All right. Well, that is uh 
uh, that's going to be a, a wrap for today, uh, David Weisbecker. I wanted to try your last name again just to see if I could retain it. It's uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you. If there's any last minute piece of advice you want to impart onto people or anything you want to say in closing, this is your chance. So let us have it. My last piece of advice. And it, it was a, a real pleasure talking to you too. So thank you very much for that. It was, um, it was, You're welcome very much. I'm feeling very welcome to you. And um, I love talking to you. So the um, the last piece Thank of you. advice is you have to have a life vision. It's it's not like a side hustle. Dropshipping is not a side hustle. And it's um, not like a small project or earning some money. Um, you have to have a vision that, that doesn't have to be like a big brand or something but even even if you just want to travel the world and you need money for that like that's a vision enough to for for online business but you have to have a purpose um you have to have like a, a real motivation and earning money or buying something with money is not a is not a real motivation so it, it has to be like you have to be heart driven yeah i think that's that's the best advice i could i could give because um, someone who knows his why will always find find a way to mm -hmm. to accomplish things if you don't know your your purpose then there will be one big stone in your way and you will give up but if you have your purpose you know oh mm -hmm. maybe this really big mountain in front of my way will cost me two years of my life to work around it or to climb above it but you will still do it Because uh, either either you're you're working for your purpose or you're not happy. I can certainly back that up too, because I have my own like major life goals. Um, I, I try to like not say it aloud too many times because if I say it too much, then I'm rewarding myself mm -hmm. or telling people the idea versus mm -hmm. actually accomplishing the idea. But it's there, and it's it's been a goal of mine for for quite a while. And everything that I do, every decision that I make has to funnel yeah. into that in some way. And I'm okay with it taking a long time. I'm okay with mm -hmm. if I pass away and I move on to the next life and then I can yeah. you know do it then, you know, because it's, it's it's a story that I want to tell. So, you know, maybe it'll be easier to do when we we move on uh, from this realm to the next. Achieving the goal is it's great, but the best part is what you do to get yeah. there. It really Yeah, is. and you and you lose all fear of um Of, of dying because the fear of dying is, is um, most often it's uh, it comes from a place from if I die I can't do the things I'm I want to do later and people have, always have mm -hmm. a, have a reason to do things later they should do now but if you're already doing the thing you should do now and you really want to do and if you're really just doing things without any fear and You, you're feared of it, what what could happen, but you're still doing it. Then your your fear of of death is going away, and your your happiness level will it will increase like five times. I don't know. That that's just my experience, but I, I've read it in in many books. So other people are making the experience this experience too. Outstanding. All right, we're going to uh, we're going to let it go there. So once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank, and thank you. you for being here, and we will see you guys in the next bye episode. Bye. Take care. You might have found this show on many number of platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. 
Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.